Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for deciding to spend some more time with us here again today. I often talk about what it's like within the education system and what we can change and what we might like to do. But today I'm talking to Heidi Deco and she's actually gone out and created a whole new school and a whole new way of education, which she's going to share with us today. Now this new school is called the Illuminated Life School and it cultivates a loving community where diverse young people develop their unique genius, forge compassionate connections to others and master 22nd century skills, equipping them to thrive with meaning and purpose throughout their lives. Now this literally is a new school which is changing the whole way that we think and understand about how education could be and I'll let Heidi explain exactly how that's going to work but this is just such a fascinating conversation and one which I really do believe could change the way education is both in terms of people being able to create their own version of this school but also in terms of people being able to watch on and see what an amazing opportunity it is for us to take the ball by the horns and really mix everything up to really support the next generation of pupils going through their school life. Now just before we get chatting with Heidi, I want to tell you about an executive function online summit which is being put on by Seth Perler who's been a guest on the show. This is where you can take three days to immerse yourself in 23 expert strategies to help your child navigate school in life through better executive function. And to find out more about this, you can use my affiliate link to take you straight through and Seth can to walk you through all the details there. But if you want to have this opportunity to help the children in your life, please go to educationonfire.com forward slash TFOs 2021. That's educationonfire.com T-E-F-O-S 2021. Now here's this most inspirational conversation with Heidi. Hello, Heidi. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. I've been asking, talking, praying for years that we should have a different curriculum, but we can't. So therefore, we should do this small thing and that small thing. And and you're the person who's actually creating a whole new way of learning, a whole new school. So brilliant to have you here. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for sharing this with us. Thank you for having me, Mark. I'm excited to chat with you and your audience today. So tell us, Illuminated Life School, First of all, what is it? What's the difference between that and compared to what we think schooling is at the moment? (laughs) Yeah, so there are some innovative schools out there, but by and large, they are just a new version of the same old mousetrap, you know, like a little bit better version of the mousetrap. So what we've decided to do is throw the mousetrap out and create basically like an apple orchard. (laughs) This is something totally and completely different. Um, And most listening may know, you know, the history of education in that it came about um, during the Industrial Revolution when we really needed to create uh, factory workers more than anything. We needed to kind of source kids out by um, who could uh, make it in a factory who would be like in a managerial role versus on the line and then who can't 
you know, do that. And so we created classrooms with metal desks and fluorescent lightings and put kids in, you know, those desks for eight hours a day with a bell that rings every 42 minutes so that if they could survive that system and they would learn how to be really good followers and not leaders and not critical thinkers, then they could, you know, move into a factory. And if they couldn't, they would move back to the fields or start a business or, you know, something like that. And I think at the time the we were, you know, hoping for a graduation rate of 65%, which we were successful at. And my belief is that the founders of the school system, which looks by and large the same today, we've only just put Band-Aids on it, like you said, just small tweaks. <laughs> um, I think they're rolling in their graves right now. They never intended it to go on this long with such small amount of innovations to it because it was created for a very specific purpose and it served that purpose. The world, as you and I and everyone listening knows, has changed 52 million times and looks completely and totally different. We have an entirely new set of challenges in the world. We have an entirely new set of jobs that are available and businesses and all of that. And we're, we're, our system is not designed to raise kids up to, you know, to live in that world. So this question has come to me before, but I'm, I'm interested to know your thoughts on why that's the case because you know the world needs it to change from a business point of view you would think governments need it in order to have different employees which are going in to change the 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 government's amount of taxes they can have and the amount of business it's done it's not that it's sort of being repressed because it seems like a bad idea everyone kind of knows it needs to be different but yet no one's actually done it or been brave enough to do it um and you know, what why do you think that actually is I think there's several reasons. I think, uh, you know, big systemic change is difficult. You know, the current system is a massive system. People have been indoctrinated into it since they were a child. So even though the majority of people believe that the current system needs to be completely gutted and changed, um, when you go in to make changes, they themselves start getting uncomfortable. You know, we've seen that with firsthand with, you know, parents that we work with that they truly believe that we need a new system. They're on board for, you know, the design of this new system. But then in practicality, they start getting uncomfortable because they're used to, but wait, you know, I'm used to kids getting grades and I'm used to kids being in a specific grade and having a certain amount of homework and desk time. And they start just getting really uncomfortable with like, Will the new system work? So even though the old system has been proven to be broken, they're very comfortable with it. And it gets a level of outcome that they can expect. When you go in with an entirely brand new system, um, they just start getting really uncomfortable with like, I don't know what I can expect from this. I don't, I want the XYZ outcomes, but I don't know if we can get it because it's new territory. And something that new, especially when people it's for their children. This isn't like a new diet or a new, you know, like if they fail, it's not a big deal. They definitely don't want their kids to fail, right? They definitely want their kids to be successful human beings. And so there's a lot of emotions caught up with that, right? And so when you put all of that together, um, big change is just really difficult for people. So take us into that, what is different? And I was on on your webinar. Um, I've understand Azul is is involved and I know his amazing ideas in terms of education it's not like anything that people will imagine so take us through well I'll, I'll let you explain rather than even set the scene yeah yeah 
And we do have a day in the life of three students on our website. So if people want to read a more in-depth version of what you and I will have time to talk about today, they can actually like read a day in the life and people have really enjoyed reading those. So, I mean, we've, we've blown it up. <laughs> so, uh, so it, we've designed it so that it's going to work for both families and students. Cause another thing, let's talk about the family side of it right now. Cause we have parents listening here that the current school system is really not set up for, especially for two working parents in the household. Um, we have these really rigid, your kid has to be dropped off at 8.03 a.m. and has to be picked up at 3.02 p.m. and has 9,000 school breaks that you don't get off of work and has, you know, da, 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 da. And that's really difficult for today's world, right? For for families, even if both parents don't work and in most cases they do. So from a family perspective, we have flexible drop-off time. You have a 90-minute window in the morning. Your kids get a complimentary, you know, full, uh, nutritious, whole food-based breakfast if they desire. They've got an option of activities in the morning from alone time if they need some quiet time that morning or if they really want to be socializing or they want to be working on a project or whatever. They're going to have a lot of upper options available to them depending on how they're feeling. If let's say they had a tough uh, they came in just in a mood. Maybe something's going on in their home life. Maybe something's going on in school life. You know, whatever it is, they're just um, kind of a little out of sorts. They're going to be um, nourished in that way. So we've got a staff that's completely trained to totally see and hear them and meet them where they're at and help them with whatever emotional needs they need they have going on. Um, and then they roll into their school day. So that that makes it a lot easier for parents, right? They can they have that flexible window. And then same with the pickup. So we have complimentary after-school programming that, depending upon how old they are, could go as late as you know 9 p.m. Um, so parents can show up at the school when it's convenient for them after they get off work, knowing that their kid is in a nourishing, enriching kind of rec center environment and has a lot of different options available to them that are complimentary. And then, of course, we have some paid programming as well available. Um, and they, you know, these kids get a complimentary lunch, a complimentary dinner, two free snacks, uh, and parents can even show up and their dinner is not free, but they can purchase their dinner. And so they could actually eat it while they're watching their kid, you know, finish their soccer game or play chess, finish a project or, you know, something like that. So like parents can just take this deep breath that the school's really working for them. You know, our schools are going to be year round schools as well, um, because we know that kids really need to be in year round schools. Again, the only reason we gave them summers off is they had to go back and help with the farm. And that's no longer the case. Um, and there ends up being a bigger and bigger gap during this, uh, you know, when we take summers off for kids, especially with different socioeconomic uh, groups within different socioeconomic groups. And so uh, they're in year round school. And even during holidays, uh, for the most part, unless it's a major holiday, the school's open as a nourishing enriching rec center. So if parents have to go to work, they can still drop off their kid knowing, hey, they're in a great, safe rec center all day. They're going to get fed. They're going to get loved all day. Um, and then um, we also give flex days. This whole thing of perfect attendance is really not healthy. We're not teaching kids that their mental, emotional, and physical health matters. Um, and we're robbing them from opportunities. Like what if their grandparents are in town that week and they grandparents want to take them to the flower garden or the, you know, this and that. And so we, we want to teach kids that 
they matter, their mental, physical, and emotional well-being matters, their family matters. And so they get flex days, just like at a job, you get PTO, you know, same thing at the school, they're going to get flex days. So parents can just take their vacation when they want to take it, send their kid to summer camp when they want to send them or winter camp, or, you know, take time off when their, you know, grandparents or other relatives are in town. So they have this like really flexible schedule. And then of course, we're rolling out the online academy as well that students can roll in and out of the online academy and then into a physical school. So if their parents want to travel for the summer or want to do a mission project overseas for a year or are relocating to a new you know, job somewhere and want to put the kids in the online program, they absolutely can and they could roll back into a physical program. So from a family perspective, that's really how the school looks so that parents, it like really works for families, right? <laughs> Um, and then in terms of the students, their days look very different as well. So students have a ton of autonomy because here's what we need to do. We need to raise critical thinkers. We need to raise problem solvers. We need to um, teach kids how to manage their own time. We need to teach kids how to manage their energy, how to you know really take care of their physical, mental, emotional well-being. And so they're given a lot of autonomy during the school day where they get to um, – decide uh, to an extent what they work on when obviously there's structures and things in place and reading the day in the life will give you a better idea of like how we're able to kind of balance structure and autonomy. Um, but they're able to flow, right? Free flow of the day. They're not chained to a desk. <laughs> we don't have fluorescent lighting. We don't have bells that ring. <laughs> um, and so we do, you know, the model is primarily based on what's called inquiry based learning. So they're working on projects and as part of those projects, they're learning math and reading and all of that. And of course, we still have um, milestones that they need to hit, like core things that, you know, we just need to make sure that they have, right? So they're academically prepared, whether they want to be a neurosurgeon or they want to go to Harvard or they want to just become an entrepreneur or they want to, you know, whatever it is that they want to do with their life, they're going to be prepared to do that. So they have milestone experiences, but a lot of it is um, taught within the pro within the context of them making inquiries and learning how to really ask great questions and learning how to be lifelong learners. Because the reality is whatever we're teaching them um, outside of like core, you know, math and science and reading and like all of that it's going to change. It's it's kind of irrelevant, right? Because like, you know, think about what you learned in school, only a fraction of it you're using today because the entire world has changed. What you need to know is how to learn what you need to learn when you need to learn it. And so that you are a lifelong learner and you're able to learn on demand, anything you need to learn to accomplish whatever your next goal is in your life. I think that, like you said, there'd be so many people going, of course, <laughs> and um yeah yes where, where how when what you know let, let sign, sign me up but then I, I can also see what you said about the people then having a little bit of fear it's that kind of but it has to look like this because it needs to be like this in order for me to hang my hat on 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 those sorts of things um and you mentioned about you know whatever milestones they need to be i guess at some point they have to enter what people would be conceived to be the normal system in as much as they do they have to take the formal exams which you'd expect them to take i guess in order to 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 leave this environment and move on to universities they have to have some kind of standardized um grades and things which then do that so how, how does that kind of work within within the school and, and your sort of focus of them moving forward 
Fortunately, universities are catching up to more modern times. And so we're partnering with organizations that have a very high success rate of students going into Ivy League and, you know, other programs, but especially Ivy League, um, where they can have these really flexible transcripts. And so we're partnering with those organizations because we want to minimize the amount of standardized stuff as we can. Now, our schools will eventually be across the world. And so there's different laws in different nations. There's different, even like in the United States where I'm based, we have different laws between states, between territories. Um, And so there's no very one solid answer to that question because we obviously have to meet certain local law requirements. And we are a model of education, not a container. So a container would be a public, private, charter, tribal, you know, et cetera, right? That's a container for school. We are a model and we're creating a model that uh, can fit within any container. So a passionate set of entrepreneurs and families can open an illuminated life school in their area and they could make it a private school, a charter school, a public school, a tribal school, um, or some other container that you know, exists in that area, right? All of those containers across the planet, for the most part, are broken in one way or another. I'm not really a fan of any of them. Uh, They're inequitable in a lot of ways. Uh, So, you know, my long-term vision is that we're actually able to create a new container (laughs) that works better and that that becomes, you know, the container. But for now, what we are is we are a model of education that can be adapted in the different containers. And I say this because each of those containers also has its own set of, you know, policies and and things in place in addition to federal and state, you know, policies. And so there isn't one flat answer on that, but here's what I can tell you. Our number one commitment is that students are fully seen, fully heard, operating in a completely equitable, anti-racist structure and given everything they need to go out and create and live the life of their dreams. So if their dream is to go to Harvard, if their dream is to become a neurosurgeon, if their dream is to take a company public, if their dream is to be an amazing Uber driver that just loves, you know, her life and has four kids or what whatever their dream is, we are there to fully support them and give them all of the resources that they need to realize that dream. And I think when you when you start with the individual and you give them everything they need to flourish in 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 in, in where their life is going to head, then that's kind of all you need, isn't it? And like you say, having that umbrella of understanding and that umbrella of experience, um, so that you can guide what needs to be guided. Like you say, it's not a complete free fall in as much as there's structures where they need to be, but with all that fluidity and movement. I really like what you said about the sort of the partnering with sort of Ivy League or, or whoever those sort of organizations are. Because someone said to me recently, which really struck me, was the fact that the whole idea of grades and CV is just going to become irrelevant because with things like LinkedIn, it's that kind of enough people that vouch for what you've done is just going to be enough because we know you then have that standard of education or you've covered these things or this is your kind of background and i know that you're my kind of person 
and I'll train you in, like you said, the skills that you need for this particular job or this particular course or this particular situation, just because it's written on a CV or has something which was standardized will become irrelevant. We just like say that the whole world is different. So why even start with that starting point? Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about the ins and outs. You said, of course, we can go and have a look about sort of the, the day in the life and that sort of thing. But just give us a few things which people will, will kind of understand i mean i know mindfulness is important i know that sort of sense of of individuality and that that sort of autonomy that they have so just give us two or three little sort of snippets of of what people might understand but also not think of as their sort of normal traditional sort of day in a life as it were yeah so the schools really set up in such a way that Every single faculty member is guiding children on their learning experience, on their learning journey, and they are resources available to students. So let's say we've got a student working on a project that um, the student knows the janitor could maybe contribute some ideas. They're trying to figure out some thing on their project and they're like, oh, I bet, you know, Jerry, the janitor can can help with that. So Jerry is a learning guide, just like all faculty are learning guides and resources and are trained. We do deep personal developing with them, all of that. So students can actually go and be like, hey, Jerry, we're trying to work on this thing on our project. We're trying to figure out how to make these this connection, whatever. And then, you know, Jerry can actually help them because that's so we want to assimilate as much of the real world as possible in the school. So in real life, you need to go find solutions to your problems. You need to go meet with people and that know something about whatever it is you're trying to accomplish and like use them as a resource. And so we're really setting up the school in that way that all the learning guides are trained to, you know, pour into the students um, and help them. And then in addition to that, each student is assigned a learning guide for multiple years. So we have specialized learning guides that are trained specifically there, and they actually have a background typically in something like, um, you know, they might be even a licensed therapist in some cases. They might be, you know, they have some kind of a background that really helps with like mental, emotional uh, support for kids. And that learning guide is co-designing that student's journey uh, with the family and the student. Because here's what we know. We know that students learn different things at different times and move at different places. And so this whole current system where we have standardized education to try to standardize uh, the student, it was designed because we didn't have robots at the time. So we needed to make humans become robotic-like. So we created the system to try to robotize human beings, which now the world totally doesn't need that. We need students that are, you know, um, the opposite of that, that like really in touch with their humanity and their core skill set and their core gifts and their core strengths and are fully equipped to go out into the world and, um, and use their passions and desires to solve problems and, uh, you know, all of that, right? Be our future scientists and our future entrepreneurs, et cetera. So uh, the learning guide are helping design this journey. So basically, by the time students graduate in you know twelfth grade, they have to have hit X Y Z. Like we have all of these things. Like you need to, in order to graduate, you need to be at you know X Y Z levels and all these areas and accomplish all of these things. How you get there is going to be very different um, for each student. 
And even like, let's say that Mark, you have three kids, each of your kids' own journey is going to look incredibly different, right? Because one might excel in say reading really, really fast, but they're just a lot slower in like the math and sciences, right? And another one excels socially incredibly fast, but they're, and we're going to work with that, right? And so they're just going to move and groove at totally different paces. And they're going to start growing in some areas way faster than other areas, but then those other areas will catch up later and they'll have a growth spurt in that other area. And so so we're bringing humanity back to school. It's a fully human experience and a fully individualized experience. And parents, families get to co-create the experience with their student, where right now in the public system, I mean, it's so much of a dictatorship. I am never ceases to amaze me how much parents are willing to just have dictated at them um, and have really no say in. <laughs> um, and so what we're doing is very different from that. And it, it, it is this, you know, this co-creation with the family that's in the best interest of that student. I absolutely love it. And th there are a few reasons. One of them, I can just think from my own personal life, you know, I got to my mid-teens and then, you know, I'm a professional musician now, which I absolutely love. But it was that a lot of things happened on a Saturday morning. So I then had to choose between one or the other, you know, and like you say, with this kind of broad sense of time and environment, you can kind of ebb and flow as you need to. Um, uh, my daughter is young in her academic year. And we've had this um, because we've, we've got two other children that have been in the same situation, one very young in the year, one old. And that sort of sense of teachers saying, oh, they're doing well in this. And then all of a sudden in the summer term, they seem to really flourish. Yes, because they're now nearly the age of the other child that was, you know, a year older as they started the academic year. You know, it doesn't seem to make any sense that you don't even understand that. But that, I guess that's a whole that's a whole different story. But just understanding the individuality, whether it's age, like I say, whether it's maturity, academic attainment, wherever that happens to come, and when things drop, and and where you where your interests lie, and actually then being able to, like I say, fulfill that as it goes through. And the other thing that always strikes me about the education system and, and the well-being at the moment is something which really kind of slightly gets my goat is the fact that it's almost like we're teaching well-being. We're giving you the skills we you know. So here's a Band-Aid. I'm still going to smack you around the leg with something and really hurt you. But here's a Band-Aid to do it because the actual system itself is damaging the people that are in it for all of those reasons that you said, you know, the standardization. It has to look like this. You must do that. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. It all looks exactly the same. But we're giving you the skills we need to do it. And we sort of know from all the statistics which are around is the fact that, you know, people are really struggling. And that's the reason why. And so this whole kind of flip round of kind of we don't need any of that because we're just giving you everything you need. It's all very easy. It's all very productive. And it's all very growth orientated in everyone's natural journey. And then you think, yes, while well-being and that is important and an understanding of what that means to you, that's got a very different feel than than that sort of other example that I gave. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about the where you are in your journey in terms of getting started with one school. Like I said, you want to be, you've got your online, you've also got the the driven dream of every school around the world and every country, you know, as big as it possibly can. So sort of tell us sort of where that journey is in reality now and also the expansion and, and where that then goes into the future. Yeah. So our first physical school opens in August of 2022. 
We'll be starting on the beautiful island of Puerto Rico, and we'll be launching our online academy um, ideally that same year. That's the goal right now is at least we're getting it started. So we're testing everything in real life in the first beta school and then using that to build the online academy and help the online academy and the physical school be um, really cohesive experience so students can roll in and out of each. Um, We're K through 12. So for online, it will actually be guided homeschool for K through five because we know, especially post pandemic, um, that uh, putting kids in online school that are in fifth grade and below is uh, completely ineffective. <laughs> they, if you, if they're fifth grade or below, they need to be either in physical school or in homeschool. Being an online school simply doesn't work. So we'll have a guided homeschool program for uh, grades K through five, and then an online academy for six through twelve. And then our physical school, the very first uh, school, will be a K through six, and then we'll be adding seven through twelve uh, the following year. And um, then once we've really worked out the model, we've got a great flourishing online school going, our beta school has grown, and uh, we've really kind of worked out the model, we'll open uh, a second school. So we're hoping within about um, three years, then we'll open a second school, it'll be in the state somewhere, we're still looking at which uh, state that that would be in. Then from there, once we have a few schools in a few different areas with a lot of different dynamics, because we want to create schools that are really customized to the area that they're in. Because here's the reality. When you've got um, a little community on a little island that has a combination of um, kids from high socioeconomics and extremely low socioeconomics put in together in a school and there's, you know, half of them are mostly speak Spanish or only speak Spanish and half of them, you know, only speak English or just a tiny bit of Spanish. You have one set of dynamics, right? Then you've got, say, a school in La Jolla, California, one in the south side of Chicago, one in, you know, Bombay, India. You know, you have like very different situations going on, right? And so our school is designed, we're designing it so that we can open an illuminated life school everywhere, follow our mission, vision, and values, and hit the objectives, and have this actual school have a customized experience that meets that particular area and the needs of that community. So a lot of, there's been some well-meaning, well-funded programs that have come before and have failed. And upon studying those programs, one of the main failures is that they're speaking from on high. They're going to roll out this standardized thing and like put it everywhere. (laughs) And it doesn't work everywhere for all of the reasons, right? And so what we're doing is we're doing a bottom-up approach. So we're working like a nonprofit franchise system where, you know, a passionate set of parents and educators in an area can open their own school, their own, you know, their own nonprofit. And then we at at Heartquarters, what I run, uh, we call it Heartquarters, are there as basically their servants. So we are there to help them. We help provide them everything from marketing and funding and on all the curriculum and the online programs and like all the things. And they're able to really move and groove and customize within our structure to something that works for their specific community and the dynamics going on in their community. Now, we are going to make as many of our schools as possible dual language. So English, Spanish, dual language schools, not just in in Puerto Rico, for sure, all of them will be dual language, but across the United States as much as possible. And then in different parts of the world, it might not be English, Spanish, it might be 
you know, English, Hindi or, you know, something like that. But they the goals that they're dual language whenever possible. I think the thing that makes me realize how successful it can be is the fact that what you just described is exactly what the school is. Um, because that's what you described in terms of how you would then use the model in whichever area of the world that happens to be is the, exactly the same model, which you would, I would think, as a pupil going through it, you 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 have the guides, you have the people that are looking after you. Every person's experience is going to be different, but that's the positive. And and I can, like you said, you know, with that kind of one size fits all, it has to be a certain container. It has to be like this. We know best. Then all of a sudden, you've got out of that kind of philosophy. And so I, I love the fact that you know the growth of of the organization and the vision is as fluid but with those pillars um as the actual school itself and i think those two things together is a very uh, it's a very special thing that's a great way of describing it it's a fluid school but with pillars good i'll, I'll trademark that one <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about about your background as well because you know i had that sense of you know everything you're talking about is something which i just wholeheartedly agree with but I'm not in a position or wouldn't have even thought about this is what I'm going to create and how I'm going to do it and how I'm going to change the world. So give people a bit of an idea of of, of, sort of where you've come from in, in your sort of entrepreneurial journey and your education journey and, and how and why you're the person that's put it together. So I'm a serial entrepreneur with no educational background. And that's really our edge that we have is that what I bring to the team, so we have amazing educators, um, you know, on on the team, and what I bring to the team is um, constantly questioning status quo because even educators that are convinced the current system are broken and that are convinced we need an entirely new system, they fall into the same trap as the families, as the parents, where they start bringing the old way of thinking, it creeps in, right? And so I'm the person that says, but what if you didn't know about a classroom? You'd never even heard that word. You'd never even been in one. What if you didn't know desks exist? What if you didn't know this exists? Like we want to create a school for net today and the future. We're raising up kids um, with 22nd century skills. So like you know, think of it as Uber didn't go to taxi and be like, hey, you haven't innovated in a hundred years. Let's like come up with some like kind of newish version of a taxi. No, they created an entirely new model that works for today's world. They didn't take any of the taxi playbook, right? None of it. And then they just made taxis mostly obsolete, right? And that's what we want to do. We're going to create a new model that just makes the old model obsolete. And we don't need necessarily for every kid to go to Illuminated Life School. My hope is actually that just like Uber, then Lyft came around and Grab came around and all of that. Now, those are all businesses that compete with each other, I believe, in um, collaboration. So I hope that I'm able to inspire others to say, hey, like we want to do a version of Illuminated Life School and let's see what we can do to collaborate with each other. And so we maybe have, maybe there ends up being five different versions of Illuminated Life School, four of which are founded by other people, but we all have this same kind of core set of values and ways that we're following. And so we, we create these new models that make the old model obsolete. And then, you know, families have a choice, right? Um, and and I do want there to be an Illuminate Life School available to every kid who wants it. So ideally, there'd be five 
amazing schools and then parents can pick and choose what works best for you know each of their kids based upon their specific situation. So we are open sourcing some of our stuff. We're going to be you know selling some of our programming to other schools that maybe they're like, hey, we're not able to convert totally to be an illuminated life school because of X, Y, and Z reasons, but we want to go ahead and adopt you know, program A, B, and C that you're doing that we feel like we can adopt, great, we're going to help you actually do that. Because what we're in it for is for raising up a whole generation of kids that are going to fix the entire world, right? (laughs) And we have a lot of things that need fixing. So we need kids that are out using their strengths and gifts, making our world a better place. They're happy, productive members of society that are doing amazing things in the world. And so we're there to support that. So this isn't a competition. This isn't a race. This needs to be a collaboration because a rising tide lifts all boats. Amazing. And I think, I think, well, one, obviously the passion comes through, but I think that that real understanding of, of what you're trying to do culturally, um, environmentally globally um and 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 i think just as a is a whole kind of humanity generally you know and and I, and I think i think one of the things which certainly this last year has done is the fact that for the first time in many many years we've had this sense of all of mankind needs to do something to help itself move forward or at least stay safe and i, and I think that is is devastating as it has been for in many different ways and for many people who've lost people i think it has had that sense of we're in some things together and we can come together to do that and i think that's been a very positive thing and i think you sort of encapsulate that ability of of and and we know we can show you how to do that you know because like you say we can't change the education system but actually we have <laughs> and and then i guess you know like I say once those schools are up and running and you're able to expand then that just gets an easier conversation to have because people see it hear it know it experience it and you know online school is something that everyone knows now so i would imagine that that ability for it to spread far and wide faster is probably a real reality yeah i hope so i hope so i think we'll grow slow in the beginning and then we'll just start growing really really fast you know my vision is that eventually and this is my life's work you know i'm in this for the long game i don't plan on dying before 125 so i got a long time (laughs) (laughs) Um, to pull this off but eventually you know if we can be converting and or opening you know over a thousand illuminated life schools a year you know physical schools across the planet and then we've got yeah this this massive online academy and then we have other schools that are just adopting some of our modeling and and programming within their school to make their schools equitable to make them anti-racist to make them fully work for the kids that are in the school and to work for the families and have, you know, it just becomes like, oh yeah, we do flexible programming and and every school starts saying, oh, we offer flex days and we feed kids. I mean, not feeding kids for free is insane. We, you know, especially in America, we can buy endless um, missiles and, you know, weapons of war, but we can't feed children. (laughs) Um, And so just having it, you know, us creating a model that people look at and they're like, duh, we should all be doing this. And then it just starts to kind of take off and, and, you know, get executed in throughout um, all of the public and private sector. And just tell us a little bit about, I, I always love the personal stories and journeys of these things. And, and they're usually kind of a connection you have somewhere. So is there a teacher, a school experience, which you remember, which obviously had a very positive impact on you? And but can you sort of explain that, I guess, into I guess that might have helped push you in this direction in terms of of kind of 
you see something somewhere even in that old system which can then help propel you into this whole new world yeah so I mostly went to public school until high school and for um, junior high I was in a massive 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 junior high I don't think any of my teachers really knew me <laughs> um, you know some of them knew my name <laughs> on a good day <laughs> um, so massive classrooms massive just you know uh, junior high is seventh through ninth grade um then for high school i had the privilege of attending a small boarding school and we i had the very opposite experience there i had incredibly small classrooms every single faculty member not just my specific teachers knew me deeply knew the family I was from, knew lots of personal stuff about me and was dedicated to my success. And I felt just a ton of like love from them, like actual love as a human being, like I want you to be really successful. And um, all of these, the faculty there was people that were passionate about their jobs. They were excited to meet the kids coming in and to deeply get to know them and to be part of that, you know, the full four-year experience with them. Because although you didn't have all the same teachers for four years, sometimes you did. I had the same English teacher, ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, right? And she actually kept a portfolio of work that I did and um, sat down with me right before graduation and said that I was the student in her whole career, which she was not a young person. She retired shortly after that um, and unfortunately has passed away. Mrs. Seatman, she's a wonderful lady. But she said that it was the most progress she had ever seen in a student in all of her years of teaching. And so she had saved all of that work to show me like how far I'd come because I didn't even remember that, right? And um, so that was a game-changing experience for me that every single child should get. They shouldn't have to come from a family that has the ability and desire to send them to a private boarding school. That should be what's available to every single student in every single neighborhood across the entire planet. And that's it, isn't it? It's that kind of, it's that experience, it's that understanding that I know this, I've been here, I've felt this. And like you say, that 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 isn't your school. But there are the elements of it and, and that human interaction and the being seen, it's such a massive thing, isn't it? It just enables those things to grow and then that kind of sort of festering and just knowing there's something there which is going to take you into your sort of world of kind of changing the world is, is, is insane, really. Is there a piece of advice that you've been given um, that you'd like to share with us, which has had a big impact? And and also, is there anything that you would then tell your your younger self? And I find this interesting in terms of the way your school's going to be set up, but also because I know with sort of teenage children in our house, I find it important to tell them things and things that I would tell my younger self in terms of advice, but they're not necessarily going to take it on. And so I, I also really love the fact that, you know, the way that your school is going to be set up is that they're learning through that kind of structured way, but that, that's a slightly different story. But yeah, so some, some advice you'd like to share from that point of view. I had a business mentor years back, uh, Angela Gia Kim, that gave the advice of give, give, get. So in all your relationships, give, give, get, meaning give something of value before you're asking for something, you know, show up and be of value, be of service. And the fastest way to be successful in life is to help others accomplish their goals. So, you know, in the beginning of a relationship, that might look like giving um, 
you, you know, make a connection for somebody, give them a piece of information, give them, you know, you're giving in some small way, you know, give and can be a contributor to the relationship, be a contributor to every community that you are part of, whether it's your household community, your school community, your work community, your, um, if you have a religious community, your friend group, you know, all of the different communities that you're in, be of value to that community, give to that community. And then that community will pour back to you, right? It will be the give, give, get. And so really come from that framework. So that was a great piece of advice. And I have, um, you know, always followed that and have had a lot of success in following that. And now, you know, having read um, a lot of business and personal development books over the years, um, that advice is actually given by a lot of highly successful people. You know, she just happened to be the first, you know, that I heard it from. In terms of what I would tell my younger self, so there's a lot, but what I'll share here is <laughs> like if I had a time machine, I would have a lot to say. <laughs> um, one, one, what I'll share here is um, something I think helps a lot of younger people is you have more time than you realize. I was so quick to grow up. I just wanted to grow up and I wanted to figure out my life and I was just on this like hamster wheel, you know, just thought that like I was going to just run out of time and like I just needed to like figure out my life. And I actually think that that can be really stifling. And the reality is like my parents were both union workers that worked at the same jobs their entire careers. They moved up the ranks of those jobs, but they worked, you know, for the same um, jobs and, you know, retired after 40 some years from them. And like that ship has sailed. Like we're just not seeing that anymore. You have so much time to reinvent yourself and to accomplish different goals in your life and to like, just take a minute, breathe, like enjoy the journey because the journey is really more important than this end goal, the reality is your end goal is going to change. Like you have a vision of what you want and, but that vision is going to adjust as you grow and as you age and as you get gain new experiences, it's going to change. And so like, enjoy this, this journey. And the other thing that I'll say is you probably overestimate what you can accomplish in a year and you woefully underestimate what you can accomplish in a decade. So think a lot more big picture, right? Don't get so caught up in this year. I have to do these 52 goals and I'm going to be a failure if I don't do these 52 goals. Like how about really get in touch with how you want to feel? What are your core desired feelings? How do you want your days to look? How do you want to show up in the world? What do you want to be? You know, like all of that. And then set your goals around that, something that sure is a stretch, but, you know, don't get so caught up on the 52 things in every area of your life, like be a little more flexible and fluid and you can move a little slower. And sometimes sl moving slow, you actually go a lot faster. And in a decade, you can look back and be like, oh my gosh, like I had no, like I thought I could accomplish that in a lifetime and I actually did it in a decade, right? So sometimes going slower makes you go faster. Absolutely. And I think the one thing 
almost all of us find out sooner or later is the path isn't straight <laughs> and like you say if you know the destination that you're going to and you're able to have that fluidity and like I say you're living in with those goals and those ambitions and the way you want to feel the path is much smoother although not a straight line as opposed to like you say checking off all those things because this is how it has to be I, I think that's such great advice and I think we we get there as we get older but I think understanding that and and again I, th I think the way that you're talking about the school I think children will get to experience that in a very natural way and again that just gives you the skills you need and the understanding through living it rather than just being told it and I think that's a really key thing within education which will make a massive difference. Now you've mentioned you've read quite a lot of books <laughs> that have had a, a, um, over, over the course of your sort of um, working life and everything but is there is there a resource you'd like to share with us and it could be a book but it could be a podcast a video film song anything which has touched you or inspired you um, that you'd like to make sure that everyone's had a chance to understand as well two books that I've read recently um, that I highly recommend are by the same author essentialism and effortless um, they're both excellent. Essentialism is on the New York Times bestseller. And then Effortless is the new a new book by the same author that I'm guessing will hit uh, the New York Times. And those are fantastic because they are related to the advice that I would give my younger self, right? Like what's truly essential in your life? And let's get our, our priorities going and how we want to feel and how we want to show up. And then even after you do that, though, life can feel like it's still too much to do and handle. We live in a really busy, full-on world, <laughs> a very distracting world um, with a lot coming at us. And so then the follow-up to that is effortless. How do you make things as effortless as possible? Um, so those are two recent books. And then a third one that I'll give um, that we're really uh, building the school uh, in part like around that and around another you know core philosophy is Rachel Rogers uh, wrote a new book that I think is going to hit the New York Times bestseller as well. She just launched it a few months ago. It's called um, We Should All Be Millionaires. We Should All Be Millionaires. And um, she's talking about specifically women and then marginalized women like black women and um but the the book relates to everybody, and I, that will actually be a required reading book. Maybe even all three of those will be required reading in our school. We'll see for our high schoolers. Um, and how you know there are, um, you know there are we are have systems that are systemically broken, hands down. And you've got especially depending on who you are in the world, you have different varying levels of structures that are rigged against you and against your success. And you can still be successful and live the life of your dreams. You're going to have to get more strategic and creative and move and groove and hustle harder, but um, you can do that. And then you can be part of uh, correcting it for everyone else. And that's really what we're doing in the school is students are showing up at our doorstep with all of these inequities, right? So they're coming in um either in different socioeconomic groups with different home life situations going on. They might have a lot of trauma going on at home. They're depending on what race they are, what, you know, all of these different inequities and they have, the world is not fair, right? It's, it's set up, you know, in different ways that um, it's, it's a harder race to, to win. Right. So what we're creating is a school that once they enter our doors, we've created a fully equitable environment that's meeting them wherever they are at. So just one example of this is we give students um, 
they're required to do internships before they graduate. Well, that's been a problem for students in lower coming from lower socioeconomic groups because they actually can't afford to do an internship because they're working all these jobs to even just like keep the lights on in their house to make sure that they're fed. They're, you know, so they miss out. And when you go look at it's like, okay, this is why <laughs> certain families, you know, like are getting more and more and more successful. And then others are just like stumbling, stumbling, stumbling. Like there's reasons for that, right? And so what we're doing is creating an environment in the school that takes those reasons out so that every student has the ability to do the internship. Every student has the ability to get the full of support that they need, the full this, the full that, like all of that depend doesn't matter at all um, what the color of the skin there is, they have what socioeconomics they have, what traumas they have, all of that. We are going to meet them where they're at and put the boxes underneath them to rise them up and give them all of the, the extra steps that they need so that we have this fair playing field. A lot of people think that there's a fair playing field out there and everybody, you know, if they just all hustle the same, they'll get the same result. And that's not the truth. And so what we're going to do is say, yeah, you're going to have to hustle. You're going to have to work at creating this great life. And we're there to put boxes under the ones that need the boxes that need the elevation because they've got different challenges going on in their life. And it might be even like neurological challenges that they've got going on. It might be, you know, it can be a whole host of challenges, right? But we're going to create this equitable environment that meets those challenges, whether it's neurological, socioeconomical, uh, race, whatever it is. Right. And, um, yeah. And her book really talks about that and is like, you got this, you got this girl, you can do this. Um, and here's how, and here's how I did it in my life. Um, so it's a really empowering, uh, book and I, you know, it's something that I recommend and we'll look at making required reading in the school as well. <laughs> I love that because I, I just think, I was just thinking then it feels exhausting as someone who's trying to share all this information for that, that person who just wants to do all those things you said, but on their own, you know, you can find this book and you can read this and you can do that. But I just suddenly sort of felt this sort of breath when you were talking about it in relation to the school of just that kind of just being around and involved in that environment in whichever way that happens to be in any person's circumstances you then just feel like you have that support and that cushioning that you need to know that it will all work out and it's something very friendly and very sort of homely about that which I think is amazing and I think that's something which will really 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 benefit people in, in, in a sort of a, an almost untangible way, but probably the most important way in, in terms of people's connection. So just as we round off, tell us where people can find out what it is that you need people to do, how people can get involved, because like you said, it's, it's not a one size fits all. It's not this is what we're going to look at. This is kind of changing the planet in the whole idea of education. So tell us what you need now, where people can find out things now and, and how people can help. Yeah, so please go to our website and sign up for a, our monthly progress reports. So we'll send you one email a month of the progress that we're making. Um, it Our website is illuminatedlifeschool.org, O-R-G, illuminatedlifeschool.org, which I'm sure will be in the show notes. Um, so get those monthly progress reports. Uh, we are a nonprofit. We take donations. We always need more money. <laughs> so if you can, uh, please uh, donate. And then we need volunteers too. And volunteers can be, you know, our heart quarters is a virtual organization. And so our volunteers work virtually. They're all over the planet. So if you want to, you know, help with some administrative work or, you know, this and that, you can volunteer. Please, you can fill out the volunteer form on our website. 
Um, if you're event open, interested in eventually opening an illuminated life school in your area or helping some local teachers, you know, open it in your area, you can fill out an application for that. We are taking applications. We're not yet. Uh, we don't have a timeline yet for when we can, you know, help you do that. But we're getting kind of a pulse of like where all <laughs> in the world people want to open schools and where we have a lot of supporters in different areas and so that we can research and see which areas it's going to make the most sense to put, you know, schools sooner rather than later. Um, and then when you're getting our progress report too, if you are interested in our online academy, either to have your kids in it or to use it as a supplemental tool. So maybe you want to leave your kids in whatever physical school they're going to in your area, but you really like, like say our financial literacy program. You know, we teach kids how to be incredibly financially literate, our entrepreneurship program or this or that. You could still register for our online academy and use it supplement to supplement your child's existing education, right? Um, uh, yeah. And so that by getting on our monthly progress report email, when we launch the online academy and have enrollment open, you know, you would you would be the first to know you'd be, you know, on the VIP list. Um, and you could look into that as a supplemental resource to your child's existing education. Fantastic. Well, Heidi, I've been so excited to chat to you for so long and I knew this was going to be coming up and I just wanted to be able to just share with everybody that everything that we talk about here on the podcast is becoming a reality through someone like yourself who's actually been able to make that happen. So thank you so much for being here, but more importantly, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to the National Association for Primary Education for their long-term support of the Education on Fire podcast. To get a free e-copy of their professional journal, Primary First, please go to nape.org.uk forward slash journal. That's nape.org.uk forward slash journal. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.